morning. Have you ever had a morning where you're not running late? I would love to have one of those mornings. Uh, anyway, this is uh, Mike, and you're listening to Driving Theology. Um, I am running just a little bit late. Today's kind of a, a few extra steps I need to do to, to be on the road. Uh, and I do have something specific to talk about today, which is great. Uh, all right, let's do a little weather check here. So it is October, last week of October. Uh, what is today? Today has got to be October the 20-something. Getting close to my mom's birthday. Um, let's see. Sorry, just uh, thinking about what I should do for my mom's birthday. <laughs> I need to get on that. Uh, what is the date today? Well, my watch has the date on it, and if my eyes were good enough to see that small number, it would be nice. Uh, I have to rely on my eye. Today's the 25th, so tomorrow is my mom's birthday. Yeah, I need to contact my siblings. Uh... Yeah, so October 25th, we just had our big uh, annual Halloween thing, about a week early, but anyway, we got her done here in Japan, and uh, that was fun. It was a uh, uh, Japan anime animation anime uh, theme, which was uh, One Piece, which is the name of a very popular, maybe the most successful ever. I don't know. There's 37 seasons of stuff. 37 seasons and just, I don't know how many different One Piece, One Piece characters there are, named characters. But there are lots. Um, a whole lot of characters in One Piece. Uh... Anyway, yeah, so we got that done this last week. It was one of the most chaotic days I think I've ever experienced. I mean, just, just chaotic. And part of the reason was that we added a layer, added, added, added a level to what we do uh, usually. And it's already complex enough. It doesn't need any more complexity. But my wife had the brilliant idea. It wasn't a horrible idea. Actually, a pretty good idea to have a little open mic night uh, at the end uh, after after we're done, kind of for the staff more or less, so we can just go to a little park, uh, enjoy a little music, eat some food, uh, and kind of wind down after after our. Uh... Okay, I'm gonna ascertain what is that. It's 
so we uh, decided to have an open mic, mic night, and I've, I have been working recently with a, a jazz uh, pianist. Um, I may have spoken to you guys about him before. I don't remember if I've mentioned him. But uh, we've only actually ever met four times total. The first time was just conversation, just getting to know each other. The second time, we actually uh, had a lot more conversation and, and then sang a little bit. Uh, he played and I sang. That was his, his house. And then the next time, uh, he came to my house and uh, we a lot of conversation and did a little bit of music uh, and then we performed uh, at this open mic night so I invited him to perform to kind of be the guest uh, guest artist at our open mic event and it was it wasn't really an open mic event it was kind of open mic but we we kind of knew who were gonna who was gonna perform it was just kind of casual uh, but anyway we decided to do that, and that was basically to take place about an hour uh, after uh, we were to finish the uh, Halloween uh, to-do. Problem was, it was set to be in an outside on an outside stage in a little park very close to our, actually, pretty much right between our cafe and our school, uh, and I was gonna start early and set up. But clouds were rolling in, and even though the the uh, forecast did not call for rain, and even if it called for rain, it was like thirty percent. So almost none of the none of the forecasts I saw called for rain at all. It's not supposed to rain at all. The temperature was supposed to drop, but it wasn't supposed to rain. Anyway, uh, what ends up happening is that as I'm setting up right around five o'clock, which is about an hour before. We're going to start it does start sprinkling a little bit and that's right when the uh, uh, Mr. Takada gets there the piano player and because it's raining and it's kind of cold and he's he's pretty old I don't really have a, a good place to uh, put him um, to keep him dry and warm and I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna do if it does rain if we're gonna have to cancel or if we're gonna find another place or whatever and so I'm kind of stuck in this limbo of trying to make this decision while also take care taking care of uh, Mr. Takada and his wife is there as well and uh, he, he's he's quite uh, an extinct uh, distinguished extinguished uh, distinguished guy right so I'm really I really want to take good care of him but I'm having to set up a sound system and the keyboard and do all this sound check and everything, but the rain is coming in and I'm just exhausted from the whole day. I've already, this is at 5 p.m. from around 9 a.m. I've been preparing for this, uh, this Halloween thing all day and then we did it, which took about two hours or more. Anyway, long story short, it was incredibly chaotic for me thought I was gonna pass out from the stress <laughs> pretty sure my beard turned wider uh, that day 
But we ended up moving it, and uh, we started about a half hour late, but we were able to move it to a dry place, moved it to my school, and, and I made some mistakes in the process. I called people about this and that, and I didn't follow up because I was just completely pulling my hair out. I was stressed out so bad. Um, and so, yeah, uh, some feelings got hurt in the chaos. And that's just the nature of chaos. But in the end, we were able to do a nice little performance, and Takara-san was amazing, and and uh, it turned out fine, I guess. Um, a lot of people uh, chipped in and, and made things work, and were patient, and so yeah. Um, but one of the most chaotic days I've ever had, I think, in my life. I can't think of a day um, right now that was more my chaos. You know, I was responsible uh, for, for making this all happen with all the stuff. And the rain came down hard. It wasn't just sprinkling. Uh, it eventually came down really hard, and it got pretty cold. And I was drenched and still trying to do all this and trying to keep my electronics from getting wet all this stuff it was nuts it was absolutely crazy um yeah uh that is that was my uh saturday last saturday um and now probably more of that's in my future i mean that's just musical performances seem to have a lot of this type of chaos involved for whatever reason and part of it, you know, that's kind of what live performance is. It's you're constantly walking on the edge of the volcano, right? You're 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 trying to maintain order, uh, but you need to get close enough to chaos that there's excitement, that there's buzz, uh, that there's there's there are vibrations, right? There's a vibe. Um, you're always teetering on the edge and a good performer knows how to walk that edge well right uh, to me that's kind of what jazz is about you know improvisation is a is a, a foray into the chaos into the chaotic right into chaos uh, you're, you're you're gonna you're gonna perform some some music that never even practiced right you're gonna improv right there you're gonna just make it work you're gonna do something different you're gonna work out a little theme or a little this or that uh, and in a sense you've got a structure of order but you're having to, to 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 jump into chaos a little bit and find something fresh and something new Yeah, and you know that's 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 what parenting feels like most of the time too, right? Uh, there's a lot of chaos when you're dealing with kids, and teaching as well, right? Teaching can be like that. And when you have a day that's pretty well ordered, um, it can be easier to teach, but it, it can also not be very interesting, you know. Uh, but sometimes a little chaos, a little a little safe chaos, a little chaos. That happens over a, a structure of order uh, can really bring life and uh, um, fun, I guess, fun to a classroom, to a classroom experience. 
and to a family, right? Um, so the question, you know, the question it becomes, you know, what is the foundation that your classroom, family, music group, whatever, uh, is is based on? What is the what is the thing that's always there that you can count on? Um, and we need that, right? We need those things. order in our life, right? You know, right now I'm, I'm going from point A to point B to one town to the next. And I can't imagine having to do that if there were no roads, right? A road is a, a structure, right? A road is order. Uh, it says, hey, all the cars are going to be able to freely drive here. Uh, if you'll use the roads, you'll be able to easily get from point A to point B. We'll make sure that they're flat. We'll make sure that there are not many, if any, obstructions, right? Uh, that's what the city does. And then we're able to get on that road and then safely go from point A to point B. Uh, now, there are those of us that, that like off-roading. You know, off-roading is a, a little bit more on the edge it's a little bit more um, you need a different kind of car to be able to do that and you can play uh, in a car and kind of just go across the desert haphazardly uh, and that's that's sort of you know playing in chaos right uh, not that nature doesn't have its own order it does um, but you know the all of these things are relative there, there's always a, a, a continuum between order and chaos and sometimes what brings, well, always, I suppose, what brings order to chaos is knowledge, right? When you know how things are working, when you finally, uh, the structure is revealed to you, suddenly order becomes, or chaos becomes order. And until you know what's going on, uh, things may seem very chaotic to you. And that's how it is listening to jazz music for the first time, I think. If you're listening to a a really good band, say four or five members, uh, and and they're all soloing and riffing and and uh, doing things. It may seem like it's just chaos to you, but there is a a structural order to what they're doing. There is a an underlying order, and on top of that, there's creativity happening. Happening, but if you don't know what's going on, you may think that. Um, that it's a free-for-all, right? And you may be amazed at how good it sounds for something that's obviously so chaotic, but it's only chaotic to you because uh, you, ha you don't have knowledge of how things work. Um, it's kind of like that looking in into the works of, a, of a, an automatic watch, right? Um, you look at a watch, and if you don't have any um, knowledge of how the mechanics of a watch movement work, uh, there's going to be a lot of chaos involved in what you see. Now, there'll be some things that are regular, the ticks, you know, right? You, you'll, if you look long enough, you'll start to ascertain uh, some order, right? Some structure. Uh, I'm talking about all this stuff, and none of this is really what I wanted to talk about today. 
it's just I guess I needed to vent about what I went through on Saturday. And, uh, I, I wasn't brought to tears, but but maybe had I have been, it would have been good for me <laughs> to kind of release the tension. Because eventually, I, I also had to sing two songs after going through all this. And there was more chaos to boot, by the way. The sound system wouldn't work. Cables were not working. Uh, I wasn't able to get some of the things working. And I had to rely on somebody else to do that while I had to go do something else. Um, and uh, it all got done. And in the end, I think if you were just to walk in, you would think, wow, this is kind of a relaxed concert, but there's really nothing out of the ordinary, you know, people are just having fun and playing music, but there was a lot of stress and, and work that had to go on up to that point, um, and a lot of uh, obstacles had to be overcome, eh, such is the story of my life, I guess, um, I have had some other chaotic events, maybe that come close, survived I'm not always sure that's a good thing that I survived these chaotic events maybe once in a while I should have a big failure and that might prompt me to take a little bit more time and care in preparing for these events but yeah I guess I'll go on <laughs> I guess I'll go on so, something I read on Facebook this morning, which I was trying to get up on my phone earlier, which I did, but of course now that I'm driving, I'm going to read this. This was pasted, oh, I don't know who this was pasted by, uh, somebody good. Uh, anyway, this is a, a repost, I forgot who posted this, but this is by Chad Bird, and Chad Bird is a, uh, uh, I don't know what he is, he's a pastor, theologian, of some kind. Anyway, he does a lot of uh, short uh, video um, videos on religion and uh, theology and, and uh, on the Bible. Uh, so this is something that he quoted somebody else saying. So this is a post by some, it may be a post by Chad Bird actually, because I think I follow him now on Facebook. Uh, but he's he's posting he's quoting somebody else. Uh, the woman's, uh, the man's name, I guess, is Dane Ortland, and I suppose the book is called Gentle and Lowly, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orthland, Orthland, or Ortland, I think it's Ortland, O-R-T-L-U-N-D, Ortlund, uh, and this is the quote, the cumul cumulative testimony of the four gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse and most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Uh, Jesus Christ, right? The chosen one, the say that uh, the anointed one right Jesus Christ that when he sees the fallenness of the world all about him uh, in other words the effects of sin the, the effects of of not living a loving existence in the world right um, 
when he when he sees pain and suffering and sin, his first instinct, his natural instinct, and he calls it his deepest impulse, is to move toward that. Right? To move toward that. Not away from it. One of the names of Jesus, okay, so this is, I'm going away from the quote now. One of the names of Jesus that is given, of course, is Emmanuel. 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 Uh, which is quoted as God with us, right? God with us. The Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, the, the, the passages that are recognized today and in the past as messianic prophecies, all have to do with the pain and suffering of the people of Israel. And it's also understood in the Old Testament that Israel's pain and suffering was brought upon itself. They, they brought it upon themselves uh, because they refused uh, to obey God basically. Uh, they, they refused to stay true to God. They started worshiping idols. Uh, they um, didn't follow God's law, uh, however you say it. The Old Testament makes it clear, abundantly clear, that the pain and suffering that Israel is enduring, uh, she has brought upon herself. And so Israel, well, the pain and suffering is usually defined as oppression, right? They are being oppressed at various times, either by their own kings uh, or by foreign kings. They've, they've become conquered, right? They've become conquered and slaughtered uh, and captive in many cases, right? They've become slaves in a foreign land. This happened in Egypt. This happened in Babylon. I suppose Assyria and so the people in various times throughout their history called out for the how does the Bible put it uh, to be rescued to be delivered yeah for deliverance they called out for deliverance from their oppressors and the deliverer who was foreseen to come was called the Messiah. This is the one who will finally come. Uh, he is ordained by God, and many prophecies believed him to be God, God in flesh. He would come and he would defeat the oppressors. He would restore Israel to its sovereignty, and he would be on the throne forever, right? He would, he would be eternal. Uh, this is kind of the, the way that people looked forward to Jesus. And it, it's astounding that it's taken this long for people to realize God runs towards sin and suffering, not away from it. Right? There, there are some other scriptures, and they were considered prophetic as well. In other words, prophets wrote them. Lady, lady lady, lady, oh my gosh, you're not looking at all, 
This lady almost walked out right in front of me. I would have hit her if I weren't watching. Uh, so they they were um, expecting a Messiah to come and defeat uh, their enemies. And I think they knew that they had brought those enemies. They, they had actually thrown off the protection of God and made themselves vulnerable to outside enemies. I think, I think they realized this. But all they thought about was God come and save me um, and, you know, defeat, defeat our enemies. And then we will again serve you. We'll worship you in the temple. We will, we will become your people again. But the truth is, had they have, had they have started living the way that God wanted them to live in the first place, notwithstanding, I think, the fact that they were misinformed about who God was in the Old Testament quite often by their own prophets, notwithstanding that, had they have started living better, more godly lives, uh, I think a lot of their problems could have been fixed anyway. Um, and I'll get, get into that. Now, obviously, there there is a there is a physical reality, and there's a spiritual reality that we're dealing with here. There's a physical aspect of what the people of Israel expected the Messiah to to heal or to correct, but there's the spiritual reality of what the Messiah came to heal and correct. That, that the Messiah came to, to spiritually heal people first. And I think the physical follows the spiritual. Okay? I'll just say that. I don't think God was, or Christ was ignoring the physical. Not at all. Um, but I think, I think what he knew was you had to change the inside before you could change the outside. And I think that's what he came to do. And his outside solution did not look at all like what people were hoping it would look like. Um, they, were, they were hoping for some kind of a, a um, political solution to the Romans. Well, first to the Babylonians, then to the Assyrians, to the Romans. They were looking for a political solution. A man who would come in and lead the army and... Uh, military solution, a military leader, a political leader. But what they got was somebody who came in and said, hey, if you'll just fix your heart, right, if you'll fix your thinking, uh, the rest will follow, right? And I think that's, I think that's what um, seek first the kingdom of God and all, and all his righteousness and these things will be added to you, right? Uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom is within. The kingdom is in your heart. That's where it starts. I'm done on time. Okay. Uh, so, 
there is that, right? There was a spiritual and a physical aspect. When Jesus came, they were hoping he was going to be the physical, political, military leader that they wanted to to defeat the Romans. But actually, he he came as the spiritual uh, healer and deliverer uh, who would who would heal their hearts, uh, who would deliver them from sin and death and suffering. The the actual true um, the true enemy the Romans were not the enemy the Babylonians were not their enemy the Egyptians were not their enemies uh, their enemy was their sin right? their disobedience uh, their lack of love and and so Jesus, when he comes, of course, they expected the Messiah to go toward the suffering in order to confront it, right? They expected this military leader to go into battle. Uh, and so when Jesus comes, he goes into battle, but he goes into battle for people's hearts and lives, uh, for people's minds, right? That's where he does battle. To, to heal them, yes, of their physical problems, but also to teach them a better way of living so that they would not find themselves, again, uh, being oppressed by sin, by death. The wages of sin is death. Death is sin. Sin is death. Um, and so... Somehow, evangelicalism, I don't know at what point this happened, I think it may have been John Calvin that started this ball rolling, but they, they saw, I believe it's in Malachi, perhaps, I don't remember where it is, but there's a place that says that God is so holy that he cannot, cannot even look upon sin, he cannot even be close to sin, he cannot even see it, that he is so holy that he is repulsed by sin. Uh, in other words, he's repulsed by sinful people, that he would he would stay away. He would he would not be in the presence of sin. Uh, and I'd have to look again at this scripture. Excuse me, to have a uh, a good opinion about what it is trying to say. But the problem with cherry picking that uh, opinion has has been that Christians, since they believe Christ is too holy to be around sin, that he runs away from sin, that he hates sin, that he's repulsed by sinners and hates sinners. Uh, they also, too, felt comfortable running away from people in need, people who had been, people who have been uh, most affected by sin, who were oppressed by sin, who are suffering immensely. Uh, and this has made it where Christians have put a buffer between themselves and the suffering people of the world. And that's pretty much how I've been raised, you know, that, well, certain, certain types of people are not welcome in the church because they're bad people or they're, you know, this or that. Sorry, I'm taking a sip of water. Um, you know, only certain people are allowed to take communion. 
uh, only uh, only certain people can speak in the church or certain people can pray. You have to you have to meet certain requirements because God is so holy, he cannot be in the presence of unholy people. And if we allow unholy people to do blah, 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 then God is going to do something bad or, you know, this was always the implication, right? That, that we were going to basically, uh, it was, it was superstition in, in a lot of ways, that we would incur the wrath of God if we tolerated sinful people. Um, and what we know, what we know now by reading the Gospels, especially, is that no, Jesus sought out people that needed His help. He sought out people that were oppressed by sin. He became the answer to their oppression. He not only healed them, but he he taught them a better way to live in the world. And for some people, I suppose it took rather quickly that they understood what Jesus was trying to say, and they uh, were able to assimilate quite quickly to a better way of life, but a lot of people, it took a while. I think for Peter, it took a while. I think Peter resisted the way for a long time, even though he was with Jesus. Not all of us come to it in the same way. Um, But I can safely say with, uh, you know, a thousand percent certainty There's nothing that you have done, there's nothing that I have done that keeps Christ away. The only thing that keeps Christ away is if we push him away. He is not repulsed by what you've done. He loves you completely. He has forgiven you. Uh, He accepts you. Uh, And now, you know, you've got to let it go. Uh, If if you want to be in his presence, It's, it's about how we how we handle it, right? Whether we uh, accept his his wholehearted forgiveness or not, right? Whether we accept his hesed, his everlasting love. Um, and even if we don't accept it, I, I'm not I'm not saying anything about that either. You know that that's you you resist love the love of Christ because you've been programmed a certain way right it's it's not easy to trust you you've you've come to know that that people can't always be trusted that people that you thought were good have done bad things and have mistreated you this is to be expected so just because you can't accept the love of Christ right now uh, it doesn't mean that he doesn't still love you There's nothing that accepting the love of Christ will do for you, except except you can start walking in a better way. You can start loving people uh, the way Christ loved you. And you can start bringing more order uh, and more peace to your existence, right? To your context. Uh, And that's, that's salvation, right? That's that's the salvation we need. That's the salvation that helps me today. Uh, how can I get out of this um, system of uh, the system of the world? It's you know based on performance. Uh, how can I be accepted and loved and delivered and healed 
today and how can I do that for other people and and it's 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 not an either or right by accepting the the, the healing love of Christ you become a conduit for the healing love of Christ and that helps the people around you and it helps you too right it's meant to it's meant to spread that way so accept the love of Christ and then start loving like Christ as much as you can and the more you you lean into that love of Christ the more you realize how much you're forgiven much you're accepted, uh, the more loving and accepting you become, which has to do with a, a loss of pride, right? Also a good thing. All right, so I am going to have to go into my work. You guys have a great day, and uh, bye-bye.